0: Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame, just real men with real challenges seeking real change, all for God's glory. Hello, body men of God, and welcome to the Real Man Connect podcast,
1: where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Tobias Steinmetz, who is the founder of Crosswalk Ministry and the author of a children's book called Tobiah and the Cross. Along with his wife, Evie and their three children, all under the age of four, they travel the country sharing the hope and love of Jesus Christ. But Tobiah does this in somewhat a unique way. <laughs> he literally drags an eight foot cross on his back in order to share the gospel with others. Now, Tobiah, who's also a former Marine, having served in Iraq, has successfully carried his cross from California to the Carolinas, taking 87 days to do it and wearing out eight pairs of shoes in the process. I met Tobiah through our Real Men University social media page, and I reached out to him and asked him to be on the Real Men Connect podcast today, not only to tell us about his ministry, but rather to share with us how he's able to balance this unique calling on his life, while being a husband and a father of three children. And did I mention, they're all under the age of four. So with that being said, I want to welcome my new friend and crossbearer, Tobias Steinmetz. Welcome to the show,
2: Tobias. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be here.
1: And Tobiah, I tell you, man, your story is so unique and so inspiring on so many different levels. And so even though we're we're targeting one angle today, which is basically how you're balancing this with family, um, I definitely want to talk about your ministry. But before we get started, we're going to jump right into the interview. We always ask our guests when they come on to share with us their favorite Bible verse. I think I already know what yours is going to be, (laughs) but I want to hear it from you and tell us why does it inspire you so much?
2: Yes, it's definitely uh, Mark 834. When Jesus calls the crowd together with his disciples, and he says, If anyone wants to be my disciple, they must first deny themselves, like set aside their selfish desires, and take up their cross and follow me. And ever since God's put on my heart to carry the cross, that verse comes up all the time, over and over again, and it really encouraged me to take up my cross daily.
1: And I tell you, Tobiah, you're, you're literally taking this to heart because you live this pretty much. And this is every day of your life, pretty much. And we're all given that commission to do that. But you are walking in it every single day. And so before we get into talking about the ministry and about your your beautiful family, um, let's let's start with your story on where you started in your family. And before your ministry began, could you tell us a bit about your background?
2: Yes, sir. Well, I. Um I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, When I was about two years old, my family fell away from God, so I grew up not believing in God, not believing in Jesus or reading my Bible, and I was always a good kid, you know, I did well in school, I was in student government, but uh, I began to mess up with relationships um, over and over again, you know, there was like this unspoken rule in my high school where once you dated for two or three months that it was okay to have sex and uh, I just messed up with relationships. And uh, after high school, I joined the Marines. And again, I was a good Marine. I got promoted quickly, but I continued to mess up with relationships. And I basically became an alcoholic. Um, We had this mentality where we worked hard and we partied hard. So I remember going out and just spending paychecks out in the bars. And uh, you know, I had awesome opportunities. I, I served in Japan, Thailand, Korea, Kuwait, Iraq. Belgium, Nigeria, Colombia, all these different cultures to experience but most of the time I just saw the bottom of a, of a bottle in the bar and I really missed out on a lot and and uh, not only that but some countries that I served in prostitution was legal and I would go out for a night out to the bars and sometimes we would end up at the red light district and so I just continued in this path of, of alcohol and womanizing and I got out of the Marines I came back to my hometown and I uh, started going to community college, so then, you know, I'm back in a, in a small town having experienced the world and uh, again, the same thing, messing up with relationships and alcohol and uh, a friend of mine, we were best friends since we were in diapers, uh, he would call me up and just tell me, Jesus this, Jesus that, he got saved about a year before I got out, so he called me up, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I remember thinking, man, I can't even talk to this guy anymore. If we hadn't grown up you know, together, uh, I would just write him off. But he invited me to church probably 60 times, and uh, I always had an excuse. But finally, uh, I went to this service with him, and I remember so clearly, it was, a, it was an evening uh, youth worship service in Philadelphia. And I went to this service with him, uh, and I was always open to the Bible. I was interested in the history of it, and even though I wasn't a believer, I wanted a Christian family someday uh, because I believed in the, the morals uh, that were taught. So I remember specifically that open feeling and just being interested to, to know a little more. I went to the service and everyone had their hands lifted saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I start doing the same thing, kind of going through the motions. And in that moment, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and the power of God came upon me. And I remember just this warmth from head to toe and an extreme feeling of love and joy vibrating throughout my whole body. And in that moment, it was like a light switch being flipped where I knew without a doubt that God was real, that Jesus Christ had died for my sins, that the Bible was true. And I I drove home probably like 45 minutes from that church. I drove home that night the whole way saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As God revealed his goodness. And how much he loved me and had protected me over the years. And I got home that night. It was an evening service. So I got home that night. And I read the Bible for like eight hours straight through the night. I just couldn't believe God's goodness and how I had been so blind before. And, uh, you know, when I was in the world, I was going club hopping. So I figured now I'm in the church. I go church hopping. So I go to early services at one church, later services at another, Bible studies, home groups. I couldn't get enough. And God was just so good and real. And uh, you know that's when I ended up at a discipleship school in South Carolina. And it was there that I was in prayer, saying just normal prayer, you know, thank you Lord for my family, for my health. And out of nowhere, I pictured a map of America with a man carrying a cross across the country. And I knew in my heart that God was calling me to literally take up my cross and walk across America. Of course, I said, Lord, that's crazy. I don't know if I can do that. (laughs) Plus I was a student, so I was broke already. I had car payments, cell phone bill, car insurance, um, but the tax return I got back that year was enough to pay my bills for the summer. I bought a one-way ticket to California and then picked up my cross there.
1: Wow! I tell you, there's so many different elements to that story, Tobias. That I, <laughs> I would love to touch on, and we don't have a lot of time to touch on all of it. But there's there's um, two particular things before we get into the ministry of this this. Far-fetched idea of you taking a cross across country. We're going to get to that, but I want to go back and because I, I think the men who are listening out there who hear your story and your testimony about how you gave your life to Christ and about that persistent friend of yours. Who asked you more than about 60 times to go to church. I want the men out there to listen and to buy. You can correct me if I'm wrong. That is not the way to try to win somebody over to Christ. <laughs> now it worked, but I tell people, especially you going to discipleship school, you just mentioned that in South Carolina, that I tell people the best way. And if they've listened to our podcast, they should know that you have to do life on life with people. Um, you can't just, I call it doing, um, religious vomiting. On him all the time because you are scared the crap out of him. You know, I think the reason why you were still there is because you knew him so long, and it was you know over all those years. So you just personally had an attachment to him. But we can't get away with that if we want to be um, evangelists and win uh, people over to Christ. Christ didn't do that. You know, Christ built a relationship. He walked with the people. He talked with the people. He listened to the people. And he was able to meet them where they were. So I thank God for your friend who <laughs> who was persistent. Um, but God, you know, my wife always jokes all the time. She says that um, God always helps um, children and fools, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that he shows us grace and mercy. So in spite of your friend that he was, the Holy Spirit was able to use him as an instrument to reach you, which we're all thankful that he did. Now, the other thing I wanted to touch on, I told you it was multiple things, but I wanted to touch on those two things. But the second thing. Is your parents. You mentioned that your parents, um, they kind of walked away from Christ when about two years old or walked away from the church. Um, do you know what their reason for doing that
2: was? Yes. Uh, they, they actually went to a really uh, very strict religious church. Um, it was, a, uh, I think they call them Cool JC, Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ at the oh, I've never Catholic. heard of that before. That's And, good. Uh, and um, they, uh, the, their faith uh, basically demonized uh, television. They had to wear really plain clothes. And um, my father was in a car accident uh, at that time when I was about two years old. And he was a taxi driver, a drunk driver, swerved into his lane. And he swerved out of the way and hit a telephone pole. And it, it paralyzed his left arm. But uh, my dad was 55 when I was born. So he was always a little older growing up. Uh, But then also with the handicap, it was like seeds of bitterness for him, his handicap. And that drove a wedge between him and my mother. And then because of the car accident, uh, he actually received a settlement from it. So then they had a little extra money. They started getting those TVs that they weren't supposed to have at their church. And, um, you know, new vehicle, swimming pool, this and that. And uh, quickly became more materialistic and less and less dependent on God. So there was that aspect, and and also the the bitterness that was in the the wedge in their marriage, that uh, began to drive them apart, and also keep them from the church and and push them further from God.
1: Wow, that's that's so sad to hear. Um, and what's your relationship like with your parents now? Uh, is it close? Is it kind of strange? Where is it?
2: So uh, my father passed away about uh, about seven years ago, and um, it was a really a really sweet time between my my father and my mother at that time. Because uh, when I got saved, I started going to Bible studies home groups. You know, I I had mentioned that. So I started having a Bible study at home. And it was through that that my grandmother started coming, my mom, my sister, my brother. And uh, just this Holy Spirit fire and revival began to grow in my family. And uh, my mother came back to the Lord. And and yet the last year of my father's life, my mom took really good care of him and uh, they they really had God had really restored so much in their marriage and in our family. Uh, so it was, it's really uh, just a, a miracle what God's done. But, so right now, my mother's like sold out for God and we have a really good relationship.
1: Oh, praise God. Man, what so, a wonderful, wonderful story. That is awesome. And so that's a great segue as we go into um, this this crazy ministry that you're doing, man. I love it. You know, any there's so many different things to buy. I would like to talk to you about in, in reference to the, the ministry itself. But I really want to focus on the family component of this because I knew when I asked you to be on the show, I knew there were men out there who God has called them to ministry and they're kicking and screaming saying, because I, I was one of them. God, I can't do that. That's crazy talk. You know, but what if if this happens? What if that happens? I don't have this. I don't have that. And to see, I can't think of something doing something more blindly than saying, hey, I'm going to get a one-way ticket, go from South Carolina to California, and I'm going to take a cross with me across the United States. And to see God just show up in miraculous ways for you, because I've been reading material on your website and everything, but at the same time, to know that you have a family who supports you in doing this is just remarkable to me. So you told us about, about, you know, God putting this, pressing this on your spirit. Now, how old were you at the time when you went to California,
2: Tobiah? I was 24. Okay. So you was 24 years old and you had met Evie at that time, right? Uh, so we had met at the school in South Carolina, hardly friends. I had seen her at a
1: distance, you know? Okay. So when you decided to make this trek to California, did you tell her about
2: it? Uh, kind of like a personal thing between me and God. I didn't know how He was going to use it or what the main purpose was. I just knew that He was calling me to do it. So uh, I was almost insecure about it because it seemed a little crazy. I had never heard of anyone carrying a cross as ministry before. Uh, So I I did tell um, the the school leadership um, what God had put on my heart and they said, well we need you back for the next school year because your second year that you come back they put you in a leadership position. So they said, we need you back, but obviously we're going to trust in God for this. And, uh, you know, I looked up the distance coast to coast and the average pace a person walks and it fits exactly into a summer. And uh, yeah, so I, I actually got back two days before school started. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't really, I didn't, you know, look for sponsorship. I didn't really put it out there on social media. Um, but I told my pastor about it and, uh, and he allowed me to share Ah, uh, with the church, what God was doing. And it was so cool, cause then the church kind of came behind me in prayer, and uh, they put it on the website, like updates of where I was that week, how things were going. Uh, but yeah, i didn't I didn't really um uh, share too much about it. I just began just this mission with me and Jesus.
1: and all, you didn't have a detailed plan or strategy on what you were going to do. You just know God said, "Go, like Abraham, go, <laughs> And you're gonna just kind of figure it out on your way going
2: back to coming back home. Yeah, it was just, God had just really given me this faith because it it wasn't my faith. He had just encouraged me in this. And wow, he he gave me the Bible verses where he sent out the disciples. He said, take no silver or gold or extra tunic or sandals. So when I started in California, again, I flew one way. That way, you know, there was no turning back. You know, I was all in. And uh, I started with no money, no food. So I thought I'd be sleeping outside every night, hungry every day but God provided every single day. I didn't miss a single meal the whole time, and, and like you said, I went through eight pairs of shoes, and every, every pair was provided for. Every pair has a testimony. So uh, truly, truly, I, I didn't have a map, a compass, or GPS, but I did know the sun rose in the east and set in the west, um, but just completely relying on God, and He really confirmed every step, just with uh, knowing that I was in the right place at the right time.
1: You know, and before we get into talking about your family, because I, I tell you, that's really what I want to focus on. But I, I just want people to kind of get their mind around this calling, because to me, it's just so incredible. Um, when you receive this calling to go out there, I want you to I know a lot of things could happen in 87 days uh, of you walking across the country. But give us some highlights of some of the most remarkable things that's touch your heart and your spirit. That You say, man, I will never forget this as long as I live.
2: Well, I, re- I remember that first day so clearly because I started carrying the cross. There's, there's a church out there called the Dream Center that gave me the cross, and it had a small wheel on the bottom because without a wheel, it wears down. You know, all, all I have left is a toothpick. So so they gave me the cross, and, and I started walking, and immediately I started thinking, man, this is stupid. People just think they're crazy. <laughs> now, how long in the difference. trip
1: did you start thinking that? Man, how like long?
2: instantly. So I'm walking. I'm like, what did I get myself into? And just as I'm thinking that, a car pulls over. And this woman walks up to me, tears streaming down her face. And she comes up and she says, I've just been having the worst week of my life. This and that's going on. And she said, I was just now driving. She said, i would never even been on this road before. For some reason, just came out for a joyride to get out of the house. And she said, I was in my car crying out to God, saying, Lord, if you're real, please give me a sign. And just as she said that, she passed me dressed in a disciple's robe, carrying the cross for Christ. So she had to pull over to talk. And uh, wow, I was able to encourage her and pray over her, but she was also a huge encouragement to me to let me know I was where I was supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And ever since then, like every 20 minutes, someone will pull over to talk to ask for prayer or to ask a Bible question. And I remember it was around lunchtime and my stomach was growling. I just said, Lord, I'm really trusting you to provide here. And just after that, someone handed me a bag of Arby's and blessed me with lunch. So uh, then, it's the end of the day, the sun's going down, and I had a camelback to to store water. And there was a little pouch that I had a poncho that I could wear when it rains. And the plan was I could set the cross up by the woods and put the poncho over it to make a tent. So I'm looking at the tree line as the sun's going down, uh, looking for a place to set up camp. And these two guys pull over and they, they, they interview me to take uh, to their youth church that night. And as I'm talking with them, answering their questions, they say, well, hey, would you like to just come to the youth service with us? So I say, yeah, let's do it. And I put the cross like sticking out of the passenger side window of their car and we buzz over to their service. They introduce me to the pastor and he says, well, hey, would you like to take the message for tonight? And pastors don't just give the pulpit up to you know strangers off the street. So, uh, but I I share with the church, and just an awesome message that God put on my heart, and we all go out to dinner afterwards, they bless me with dinner, and one of the parents of the youth say, hey, where are you staying tonight? Can we bless you with a hotel room? So I I just, I I say all that, because I remember that night, laying in the hotel room bed, reflecting on the day, on God's goodness, the divine appointments that he set up, the connections, the encouragement, the prayer, the provision over and over again, and I, and I told God, if I didn't talk to anyone all the way back to South Carolina, it would all be worth it just from that one day because it was so amazing, so incredible. Um, but every day was like that. Every day was awesome opportunities and divine appointments and God's provision over and over again. Just water when I needed it. Hot days, people would bless me with ice pops and refresh me. Just incredible. But, you know, you don't get to see those things unless you put yourself out there. To be used and um that really kind of uh, brings me to to where we are now as a family because it's one thing for me as a single guy out there just relying on god saying lord if i don't make it back to south carolina that's okay because at least i'll be with you and that type of uh of of faith but then to put your family in those positions uh, is is a really difficult balance yeah
1: boy i tell you to buy this story is just incredible to me Um, one of the things that just jumps out at me as you're sharing this, this, your testimony about this, uh, first of all, before I even get to, (laughs) to ask you that question, you know, when you say that as soon as you get over there, the, the doubt comes in, you know, the enemy is just attacking you with, oh, this is crazy. You shouldn't be doing this after that first day. Like you said, you could have lived off that experience for the rest of the trip, um, Did you have to still face battles from the enemy trying to discourage you and tell you that this is crazy or from that point forward, you lived off that one day?
2: Oh, well, uh, almost every time I carry the cross, I experience some type of doubt or some type of hardship, Um, whether it's uh, because I I think it's human nature that we want to be um, kind of like normal, blend in with the crowd. We want to uh, to be popular or positive uh, experiences with people so sometimes you know someone will beep and they'll just flip me off you know a lot of times people beep and they'll say hey god bless you you know praise the lord so they'll beep and i'll look over and hear they're flipping me off and uh, it can be a discouragement but uh i just realized that um you know we need need to live god's blessing you know to please the lord and not to please man um yeah so that's that's a continual thing i still battle with uh is this the best way that I can share Jesus, is this really what I'm called to do? And when I, whenever I'm struggling with that, God will still confirm and uh, and give me those divine appointments that really encourage me through that.
1: You know, I wanna ask you this question to hear in your words, because to me it seems kind of obvious um, that this has blessed you personally in your walk. Because a lot of times when we're called to ministry, You know, we say, well, God wants me to be a blessing to people this way. And with you sharing the gospel, talking to people about what the cross represents and why you're doing this and hoping that like that lady who got that sign from you when she says she's praying. But at the same time, as we're blessing people, we realize when we get into ministry and we walk fully into it, that God also is blessing us. So I want to hear in your words, Tobias, what has this done for your faith? As a believer, because you were on fire before, but av- having gone through this experience, and I guess you've been doing this now, what, about six years? Yep, you- coming up on seven. Coming up on seven years. What has this done for your faith?
2: Oh, it's, uh, you know, we we used to say in the Marines that complacency kills. And I, I see that uh, as in the Christian walk as well, that when we get comfortable, we become complacent. And we're we're definitely in a spiritual war between good and evil, every every day we, we have those those decisions. You know, we can either uh, use our time and resources to glorify God or glorify ourselves and and walk in sin. And I just see over and over again that by pressing into this calling, by pressing into to what God has for me, it really um, keeps me motivated in my Christian walk and keeps keeps that fire burning. Um, again, I, I've carried the cross across. Country from California to South Carolina and from uh, New York down to Florida, and right now we're on a mission to carry it in all 50 states. So I've seen believers from uh, coast to coast, and talking with believers that their fire has gone out is really difficult. Um, but what I just see is that uh, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but we're either growing closer to God or further away. And I know in this calling, it allows me to kin- continually be uh, following Christ, and it just allows me to keep that fire burning, and that helps me in so many other ways, because when I'm close with God, it helps me r- with my relationship with my wife. If I'm, if I'm pursuing God, it helps me have the patience for my kids, and uh, again, I, bu- I believe wholeheartedly that uh, God's provision, he's, he's given me every single thing I need, not you know what I want, but He's given me everything I need, and I really believe His provision is is um, is it linked in some ways to, uh, just because he sees my heart that I desire to, to use my resources for him. And so if he gives me something, he knows it will be used for the kingdom.
1: Praise God, man. Tobi, you're such an inspiration, um, to me and anybody who's listening to this, because you're right. We do get into that, that point where sometimes our faith goes dry or, you know, and we get complacent and, but we need those general reminders. And I think You know, literally every time you pick up that cross, you're reminded of how close you can be to him. And, you know, we had a show. um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it by Dave Hickman, who wrote a book called Closer um, Than Close. And he says we're as close to Christ as we want to be as you want to be. He's because he is in us. And so it is a deliberate choice. But now let's transition because poor Evie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. i say that tongue-in-cheek because she's blessed to have a husband like you but i know now when you say you met her when you're in school but you guys weren't you know just friends and that kind of thing but um tell me what happened when you met her because when you met her you obviously doing this ministry tell me how did you explain this to her and what was her reaction to it
2: yeah so she was familiar with the crosswalk and uh, when we started courting, because I, I just laid my cards out on the table, and uh, we started courting, and, and I remember asking her, you know, what if God calls me to carry this cross again? And she said, well, I'll come with you. So, yeah, so that was like the check in the box, you know, confirmation uh, for me, but uh, everything about our relationship. I tried to approach prayerfully. Wow, God just really blessed me with an amazing life. But uh, to to kind of show the flip side of that coin, there there was a difficult day where she really felt stretched, and I and I remember her saying something along the lines like, "Oh, I don't know if we can continue uh, doing ministry like this." So I reminded her of that day when she said um, that she she would come with me to carry the cross. And she's like, oh, I was just naive. I didn't know what I I was saying. (laughs) But but just that we do have those ups and downs where there's times that are really trying. And uh, man, God's just allowed me to grow as a husband to encourage her through those.
1: Well, let's talk about some of those challenging times because that's what the focus I want to focus on. Because um, we know we have men who have been called to ministry and they have wives or or at least they're maybe thinking about taking on a wife. And when you're in ministry, pretty much your wife is marrying the ministry as well. But we also taught that our family, our marriage is our first ministry. And we know a lot of um, ministry leaders who've fallen because they've put the ministry over their marriage. And now, so with Evie having some of these questions, what were some of her concerns? And, and be, just be blatantly honest with us that because she is a woman, and I know these men are dealing with some real issues when it comes to their wives and ministry, what were some of her concerns about you doing this?
2: Uh, well, we, we started in a motor home uh, about four years ago. We started traveling. Our daughter was about one year old. And I remember after a few months on the road, we had to come off and like put it on, on the back burner because uh, I had really focused more on ministry than on my family. I, I could talk your ear off about, about how that happened, but I guess just in the moments, I just thought that um, pursuing God would also like, bless my marriage and that things would just come together. But it was through that season um, where I was out uh, pursuing God, pursuing ministry. And at the time, there was another uh, friend of mine that was out carrying the cross too. And uh, he was just with us for a short season. So I think I had this mentality, well, since he's only with us a short season, let me really pour into him while we have him. And then I, afterwards, I can focus on my wife. Uh, but a, a big lesson for me <laughs> is that you can't just play catch up. It has to be in the moment, finally finding balance uh, in the moment, the day to day. So I see that now uh, with, my, with my wife and also with my children, just in the day to day. And we found this balance where I try to read how my wife is doing. We'll just ask each other, how are your tanks? You know, your love tanks, your spiritual tanks, how are you feeling physically? And based off of that response, I'll know how much uh, ministry I can do. And, and just based off of reading my kids, you know, if they're really clingy or if they're whiny, what's going on? I, I can try and read them and then depend, uh, to, to base my schedule off of that.
1: Right, right. Now, um, did Evie have a question, um, because really, you there is no plan, but did she ever say, well, Tobiah, come on, man, what, what, what are we hoping to accomplish with this ministry? What's the end game on this? Did she ever ask you about that, what the end goal is going to be on this?
2: Yes, sir. We, we do have that discussion, and it's pretty open, so it's something that, that revolves and comes up often, and it's just a woman's nature that she is a, a really—she's so loving— and she's got that nesting instinct you know now that we have three kids under the age of four oh boy <laughs> um yeah she she just has this this mama bear instinct where she wants to have a safe environment for them and um that brings up so many other uh aspects as well because our, our daughter does have uh, uh, is a little behind with her speech and uh that's a really big frustration but it's, it's multiplied because we want to do homeschooling while we're on the road and she doesn't have a lot of consistencies while we're on the road. Uh, so it's a big frustration for her and a lot of mind games stem from that because she feels if we were planted and we were more secure then she could have a speech therapist and, and have a consistent school and see um, you know, the same friends more often. So it's, it's all a really big game of, of balancing And now, because my daughter has that, we feel like she's a little behind with speech. So I kind of pick up the slack every night. I'm just spending an hour hour with her going over sounds and different words. And I guess that's that's one example of of just how I can um, kind of find a balance and pull back a little bit. Maybe an hour I could be doing something else, but devoting it to my daughter instead.
1: And see, we know that also you say a oh, woman's nature is about the nesting, but also we know as men that women have this this real need for security. That's why, you know, God has made us man for a reason, and they long for security. And I would think with, you know, you guys are talking about not having a steady a steady paycheck. Um, there's expenses that come up. Um, got, the kids may get sick and um, health care. How do you guys deal with those type of issues with a ministry like this that's so mobile?
2: Oh, it's it's so different that it's hard to give an answer. But I just I just know over and over again that God provides times that our refrigerator was empty or like on our last diapers and um, and God would just provide. I remember um, connecting with a church in Auburn, New Hampshire, and we had just run out of groceries and we didn't tell anyone. But we're praying about it. And the pastor said, well, hey, we have this pan- this food pantry at our church. We'd love to bless you guys. So I go in there, and he's like loading me up with all this food, even like steaks and stuff, too. He's loading me up with all this food. And I remember telling him, Pastor, I have a small refrigerator in this camper. <laughs> we had small cupboards. But he just loaded us up and, and stocked all of our cupboards and our fridge. And it's moments like that over and over again that build our confidence our faith in knowing God's provision um, but there's there's another aspect then to security it's it's really um, uh, with the discussion with my wife I had always just seen security as financial security that things are provided for so so we've had those things provided for and I thought then she would be good you know checking the box she's feeling secure um, but then there's that that also that also the aspects of of spiritual security and relational security, and uh, if I'm if I'm really focused on ministry, then she can uh, feel like she's a little behind with spiritual security. Or I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar with the love languages, and uh, my wife is uh, quality time and and words of affirmation, and I'm really not words of affirmation. But I but I've just learned like just to spend that time. Um, listening to her, really listening, obviously not, not trying to fix anything, but just listening to feelings, emotions, struggles where she's at. And just by listening to her, it will build a a security, like a relational security. And I've learned that um, when she's feeling her tanks are full with relational security, then uh, it allows me to be more free with my time and, and, um, you know, what God's calling me to do.
1: Well, and, I, and I tell you, um, you, I'm glad you brought up that there's different levels of security too for a woman because there's layers to her. She's a complicated human being. Um, I, I, and I tell you, it has got to be times when you you say how God is miraculously provided and when you mention about your refrigerator being full to capacity, say, hey, we can only handle so much food. It just reminds me of the, of the verse about how God said, I will pour out of blessings that you won't have room to contain. Um, there's got to be many nights or many times that you guys just— just probably shed a lot of tears over watching God just miraculously provide for you. Is that true?
2: Yes. 100%. And his provision. Oh, it's so on time. It's so good. Uh, most recently about a year ago, we bought a motorhome with like all of our savings and uh, just about four months ago, the engine blew and it was a com- complete loss. Um, the motorhome was a little older with a lot of problems. So when the engine blew, the price of the engine replacement is about the price of the whole motorhome. Yeah, so it's a it's a complete loss. And um, we were praying, Lord, is this like a a closed door for us? Um, maybe for a new season of life, or um, is there something else going on? So we're praying about it, and the next day, someone blessed us with three thousand dollars. And and with the with the gift, they said, "This is for your next motorhome." And, uh, we do receive some donations, but they're usually a little smaller and, um, and we never like solicit donations. So to receive that gift, the biggest gift that we've ever received with a note that says, this is for your next motor home was complete confirmation for us and a big, for my wife, especially, um, a big confirmation. And it just clicked for her like, okay, God, you know, I have a piece about this to continue this mission. And we found a motorhome in Louisiana, another uh, a friend of ours that's a, a ministry family uh, put their motor home up for sale because they're transitioning, um, they travel to set up tent meetings, and they're getting a box truck instead. So they had a motor home for $14,000, and when I contacted him I said, hey, we have $3,000, can we just make some payments, um, he said, I'll drop the price to 10000 for you and within that week ten thousand dollars came in to our ministry just incredible i i really felt like uh the end of that movie it's a wonderful life (laughs) when when everyone's coming to support george bailey the community's coming together um because there's there's so many people that that i've met over this last seven years that they've said just seeing me with the cross that the holy spirit ignited something in their heart and they'll always ask me man if you need anything let me know but really we've never we've never needed anything to like you know to to mention to them so when they heard that uh, our motor home bl- the engine had blown they were quick to uh to to support us and it was just one of those moments where you just sit back and um just rejoice in god's provision and the goodness and and the unity of the church um i'm just still blown away at, um, at, at the heart of the church and how God used them to to meet that need.
1: You know, what seems so amazing to me, Tobiah, also is how God works. Not You know, one of my wife's friends, she says that when it comes to God, there's layers to this. There's layers to this <laughs> that we don't see. And not only is he providing for you um, and your family financially, but at the same time, when you getting your heart right with your wife and saying, wow, God, I do not want to neglect Evie on this and that she is a woman and she is my first ministry. At the same time, he's providing and also blessing her to see this, to see that, no, you are you and him are one for a reason. Um, you were perfect for each other, and I need both of you on the same page. And so, man, I got to tell you, and I'll make a confession to you, Tobias. You know, we do a lot of episodes, and I always have certain ones that I consider my favorite. And not because they're so great, but because... That's one I need to constantly listen to to remind myself of what God has called me to do and to stay focused on it. And I got to tell you, this episode is going to be one of those episodes that no matter when I start whining like a little girl, (laughs) you know, I'm going to go back and listen to this because it is so inspiring. So inspiring. But let's keep it focused on the family for a second again before uh, we transition eventually to the man up questions. I can't wait to hear your answers to the man up questions. But um, we'll stay on your wife before we get to the kids. And, And I know I'm prying a little bit, but we keep it real on Real Men Connect. Now, obviously, you guys are being fruitful because you got three kids but I would think with your type of ministry how do you guys get time alone to be intimate without the kids getting in the way
2: yeah it's it's definitely uh, difficult Um, and I think we're taking a break from having kids for a while so so, uh, maybe once we're off the road maybe maybe we'll look at having more kids but but uh, for now three three's good so uh, yeah it's just um, before before we got on the air Joe, you mentioned that when you got your house, uh, you you had in mind that you could use it for ministry and you've had people through. And uh, when we were up in Massachusetts, we met a gentleman that uh, had the same situation where he bought a house. Um, It's just him and he has a four bedroom, uh, two and a half, really big house. And uh, he allowed us to stay with him while we were up in Massachusetts. Um, so we just had all that space, all that, uh, that my wife and I could have that alone time. Um, but even uh, while we're on the road, uh, God's just allowed um, the miraculous. He's allowed us to, to cross paths with uh, old friends that could babysit the kids for a day or um, he's allowed us uh, situations like that, that we would stay in a friend's house. Um, and over and over again god just allows uh for all those those things to happen um but obviously it it takes us to be intentional to really prioritize uh spending time together and uh i just thank god that that he's he's allowed everything to work out really well that uh my wife and i our needs are being met
1: wow man what, what again what, what an inspiration now you have three kids and you have a, a three-month-old And that's your youngest son. And I believe Tobiah Jr. is two. So he probably doesn't have much input. But let's talk about Yvonne being now being a father. What does she think of all this, even as a four year old, because she doesn't have the typical life of the typical child. So what what's her reaction to her daddy doing this and her family traveling like this?
2: Yeah, she loves it so much over and over again. Yeah, she loves it. Uh, she's a, she's associated the words bye bye we're going bye bye. She <laughs> associates that with adventure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's just like so. When the motorhome broke down, she was kind of bummed. Like she could understand what was going on, and and uh, she was ready to get back on the road. And it's been man, God is so good. Times that I go out with for ministry, um, I'll drop the the family off at a museum. And, uh, and then I'll go out with the cross and then like meet them back at the museum later. Or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go out to a beach and, uh, my, my wife will go with the kids to the beach or we'll spend some time there together or whatever. And I'll go out with the cross. And then when she's done at the beach, she'll come and pick me up. And God's just allowed us to see some amazing places up in Maine, those beaches, like around Bar Harbor, the way it's just so beautiful, and the, the connections. We'll meet families for a day, and when it's time to go, we're all sobbing and tearing, tearing up because it's hard to leave. And uh, to be honest, I think that's been one of the most difficult things of this ministry, is having to say goodbye to people and kind of pick back up. But wow, I'm just so thankful that God allows all those different opportunities. And it's been really cool then for my daughter to meet different people, to see different things, those museums and beaches and friends. And um, so I'm just really thankful so far that it's been really good for her and she's uh, really enjoying it. And I guess just w- one more thing is that uh, it's such a blessing to me. It's wow, it's It's really incredible. I, I can't even, I don't know how to explain it. But that she associates me with the cross. Oh, yeah. Wow. So when we're in church, she'll say, Daddy, there's a cross. And like uh, if she'll see a picture of Jesus, she'll say, Daddy, look, Jesus carries a cross, and you do too. Oh, and it's just so Lord. Cool seeing that <laughs> oh, connection. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, and, and really, man, the power of the gospel is at the cross of Christ. And, uh, man, if we can lay down our burdens at his cross, that God's faithful to, to, to take our burdens. And, uh, so it's really been, um, a really cool, I know I'm talking your ear off, but I love that. I mean, You're
1: blessing. <laughs> You're blessing my socks
2: off, man. I, 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 I love that aspect of carrying the cross. Because then people come up to me to initiate conversation. And it's not me, you know, trying to push my agenda or someone, or just cause if, if I just go up to someone and say, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. They'll say, Oh, I know about Jesus. No, thanks. But when they come up to me with a, a question about the cross and across all uh ages and and genders and um, races ethnicities when someone sees the cross they just say man i have to ask why why are you carrying a cross then I, I it's i just have their ear to to be able to talk uh talk it off about the goodness of god his provision and the gospel is simple that god loves us we blew it but by his grace Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins
1: To mm-hmm. so. no man this you're not talking my ears off man this is blessing my socks off man I'm telling you uh, and just the fact that you just said about your daughter Yvonne that man there's a lot of things that um, our children can attach um, us to when you mention dad you know good times oh he was funny he was this oh dad was a great provider <laughs> dad you know dad you know we had some good times oh ball games. But to have your daughter attached to cross to you. Oh, my goodness, man. Is there is there anything better than that? And so, I mean, it'd be great even to follow Yvonne's life as she gets older. Um, you know, and we're, I'm looking at the time. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I got to get to the man up questions. But I got at least a couple of questions before we get to the man up questions that I want to ask you. And this one just kind of popped up in my head. Um, Evie's parents. How does does her parents, are her parents still alive? And if so, how are they feeling about all this?
2: Um, Her father lives in Alaska. He's a truck driver up there. And um, so her parents have been divorced uh, and separated for for, uh, most of her life. And uh, her mom lives down in Florida. And uh, both of them aren't really walking as closely with the Lord as they could be I, I mean that's that's most of us really right. we should be walking closer with god right. but um but really they're not pursuing a relationship with jesus and um but so her mother will fly uh sometimes for like birthdays or around christmas'll we'll fly to where we are to see the grandkids and to spend time with uh with evie and uh I just really see that. Our ministry and our lifestyle has just planted seeds in their lives and in their hearts just to see um, how uh, how determined we are to live this life focused on Jesus. And I think it's speaking to them.
1: You know, because it seems to me it seems almost impossible um, for you to be in someone's life. I'm talking about them related to you, family, friends or whatever, and them know you guys and not question their own faith. I guess that's why I tell you I'm probably gonna go back and listen to this episode anytime I get down on myself or start feeling oh woe is me, because your faith, even though you're not trying to to condemn anybody and you're not trying to to bring anybody under um, scrutiny with their faith, but as you follow Christ, it's, and then people see that as your example, they have to question their faith and how committed, how determined and dedicated, how close do they want to be the Christ? And so that's why I was asking that question because I don't see how it's, it seems, I don't see how it's possible for you not to affect the people around you with your faith, even if you're not pushing it down their throats, it it has to impact them in some way.
2: Yes, sir. That sounds exactly like a note that a a friend of mine wrote. I met him in Ruston, Louisiana, and, uh, he had just been reading the book, crazy love Mm -hmm. with his church, uh, by Francis Chan. Right, Right. And, um, there's a part in that book it talks about lukewarm Christians and like what does it look, in your, look what does it look like in your life for you to get, be completely sold out and to follow Jesus? And when he saw me with the cross, it really brought back some of what Chan had said about that and uh, he asked his friends then it was like a Facebook post he asked his friends, you know what does it look like in your life to be completely sold out for Jesus?" And what an encouragement that it's stirring up those questions in people's hearts and in their communities. What does it look like for you to be sold out for Jesus? And it's, it's difficult for us in America because we have it so good. Mm-hmm. We're so blessed as a country that even our poorest um, have it better than a lot of people in other countries. Um, so uh, it, it's easy for what we have, how we're blessed in America. It's easy for that to kind of distract us from God and what our mission should be.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and I'm glad that you share that, um, with us. And I have one more question for you before we, we dive into the man of questions Tobiah. and it's basically is since you have such a unique ministry and we've now heard your story and some of the things you've, um, had to endure with your family, the blessings that's come out of it, the challenges and everything. What advice would you give men who are struggling to, to balance uh, family life and ministry. Based on your experience now, what would you share with us?
2: Yeah, it's, it's completely uh, trying to read your wife and your family. That's been so important for me um, to really focus on them, to listen to them, to really hear the heart of the matter. And uh, you have mentioned before about layers with our wives. It's really like taking the time to go through those layers to see what's really the root of the problem because you know to be honest sometimes it's ironic how unrelated the issue is to like to to our current argument you know we'll kind of get down to it and it's something totally unrelated but uh because we didn't deal with it it just got covered up over time and and that's why those layers are there um so the same thing with my kids it's really just to read them where they're at and um so it's hard for me to give, a, give an exact answer for the other men out there, but just to really focus in and see where they're at. And if you know there's a need, don't overlook it and say, oh, I'll get to it eventually. Because it's easy for us uh, as men, it's easy for us to be passive and um, complacent and uh, to procrastinate about those things. But just really clear your schedule if you can and focus then on your wife and kids. Because if you do that at the, in the moment, then it will allow you, you know, more time to to schedule in what you what you feel you need to.
1: You know, and Tobias, what I'm hearing you saying basically and to summarize it, um you're saying be one, be present, um be intentional and be active. You know, don't take the passive role and I think that's great advice for us as men. And so now we're getting close and short on time to buy it, but now it's time for our infamous man up questions. And you know about them because you've been in Real Men University. These are just five quick questions starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P and they require your fearless honesty, which you won't have a problem with at all. So the question is to buy, are you ready?
2: Yes, sir, I'm ready.
1: And we'll get started with those questions right after this short break. If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Man Spiritual Leader Blueprint, to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Man Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site. So you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up to date on the latest information. Now to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at RealMenConnect.com. Welcome back, mighty men of God. We're here with our guest, Tobias Steinmetz, who is the founder of Crosswalk Ministry, and he is ready for the Man Up Questions. And Tobiah, I can't wait to hear based on your experience and what you've been through over the years, um, what your answer to the Man Up Questions would be. And we're gonna start with the letter um, M, um, and it stands for mistake. Now, what mistake have you learned the most from, and we're gonna put it in reference to your ministry, not you as a person, as a man, but as in this ministry now with your family, what mistake did you learn the most from as a man in ministry?
2: Well, I've I've really learned so much about my wife and because we're just a a family team uh, doing ministry a lot of churches will have um, you know office staff or maybe um, executive pastor associate pastor but for us out there doing ministry like my family is my support team you know and we're just working together so so I know if, if I'm not loving my wife the way that she needs to be loved by spending quality time with her, listening to her, having those good conversations, and uh, really encouraging her, then that's my that's my staff, you know, <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. my ministry staff. So if so if I'm not doing things well in, in my relationship with my wife, then it can spill over, and and uh, my heart might not be right going out to to do ministry, or um, uh, I just might have more mind games or things that are holding me back. But I know that I really have to focus on my foundation, which is my family, you know, my, my personal relationship with Jesus and, and my family before going out to do ministry.
1: Right, right. And that makes that makes perfect sense. You're right, because you're impacting your staff, your ministry team. If you're not loving your wife the right way, even if you're not treating your kids the right way, it's the same thing. Now, I'll, let's go with the A aid attitude. And I'm going to ask it from a different perspective. Um, like I said before, that men have been, you know, God has pressed in their spirit that they should go into ministry. Um, but for some other reason, or even when you had to battle through this yourself, when you were thinking, really, God, that's what you want me to do? That sounds crazy. If there is an attitude you could change in men who've been called to ministries like yours, where there's really stepping out on faith, um, what attitude would you change for them?
2: Oh, it's just a, an attitude where, you know, it's God's will, not ours. God's will not ours. And, and I remember uh, the first time I heard God's voice, um, it was calling me to pray for a woman in a wheelchair. Um, I was only saved like a week and God put on my heart pray for that woman and I kind of talked myself out of it and uh, I just kept hearing God pray for her, pray for her. And eventually I was like okay Lord and I turned to pray for her and she was gone and I just felt in my heart that that God had really called me to pray for her and he was going to do a miracle through that and I felt that I missed it and I remember there saying like Lord I'm so sorry I missed it if I hear your voice I I, Lord I want to jump on it I want to pursue whatever you call me to do and it's kind of like that promise to God back then that's kind of kept me going to where I hear his voice like I want to pursue it I want to to see the kingdom of God here on earth and uh, just by, by being his hands and feet, we can see that. So it's just an, an attitude of kind of like setting aside what, what I want to do and really trying to listen to God's still small voice and to jump on it and pursue that. And I guess also an, another aspect is that, man, some people just think that as Christians, we have these boring, quiet, lonely lives. We're quiet church mice, you know, and, and but man, there's um, there's a book called Wild at Heart. But it kind of focuses on that, like the, the the adventure that we can have as Christian men. So I, I guess to talk about attitude like that, too, is just to pursue Christian adventure and and uh, the life that God has called us to.
1: So follow God's will and just go for it. Yeah, John Eldridge's book is so awesome. And I recommend every man read that book because it would challenge your manhood. So I'm glad you mentioned that as well. Now, I can't wait to hear the answer to this next question, which the end stands for next is what's the next big thing you would attempt to do for God to buy if you couldn't fail?
2: Oh, I, I love that idea of not, you know, <laughs> that you can't fail. Because, um, wow, I would just uh, shoot for the skies, you know, uh, some, some huge. Uh, I, I love the concerts where they, they bring together um, believers from all different denominations and churches and, and just to really blur the lines be- between denominations to glorify God. And I, I would love to host something like that. Uh, like continually, um, but I guess as a more practical thing, the next step uh, that I would love to do in ministry is to team up with like another family to team up with another minister or or a couple and um, I have a friend that uh, he has a ministry of um, media and filming, and I would love to team up with him to do some some types of uh, videos, because a lot of times I have these awesome, amazing God encounters and really, truly see some some miracles out on the streets. But it's like in the moment, it's hard to capture it. So I really wish I could capture it really to show more people um, what God's doing today, because God's the same today as he was in the Old Testament. He's a God of miracles and he's he's a God of just of goodness. And and I just want to share that with more people. Uh, You know, a lot of times I say I feel like Johnny Appleseed throwing out (laughs) spiritual seeds. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but being on a podcast like yours or on a news station or whatever, it's like throwing out buckets of seeds. And uh, however we can plant more seeds of Jesus, I'm all for it.
1: Wow, you know, and I would love to see something like that documented cuz I mean, I man, that'd be like that's must-see TV if you're a Christian. <laughs> to see to see street gospel, you know, to see how it's impacted people on that level on the at the grassroots level. Now, the you represents understand. And I want you to think about when you first started in the ministry doing this. What didn't you what was the one thing you didn't understand? about being a man when you started this ministry but you understand better now after you've been in it for now for going on seven years
2: well you know we talked earlier about uh, security for a woman um and i had just had this understanding that uh security was like uh that i could kind of compartmentalize it as long as i had this amount in our bank account or as long as i spent this amount of time with her or did this or that then she could have the security and and she would be fine. But I I quickly realized that it's not that easy, that it's kind of fluid and it depends on different things. And uh, so, man, that's like, uh, again, my ultimate priority is my relationship with Jesus. But in my relationship with my wife, I really have to read her and talk to her to get down to these issues. And it's so funny because I know I'm not supposed to try to solve a problem. You know, I know I just need to listen, but for some reason still in the moment, I just, uh, I wanna try and solve it or whatever. And uh, so I'm still learning that, really how to listen to her, listen to the root of the problem, the layers upon layers, and really uh, be able to love her through our communication
1: well welcome to the club to my, we're all in that boat together man because it, 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 I don't know if it's just in our nature that we as men want to solve problems but sometimes we, I tell people we have to um, sit and not solve and it is one of the toughest things and i I'll tell you even now as an older man I found that it doesn't get any easier but you do get better at it so um, I'm praying for you in that area but um, that's good now here's the last question and the last letter is P for problem and as a, mad, a mighty man of God which you are uh, what problem do you still struggle with as a man in ministry today?
2: Yeah, so so ministry is difficult. You know, we we have mentioned earlier, even even today, that I still have doubts when I get out there with the cross. Um, but but God covers those for me and, and gives me uh, the confidence through that. Um, but I'd say it's it's so interesting carrying the cross that I'm still I'm still just a man, so I can still like have uh, struggles if, if I see whatever, a pretty woman on the road or whatever. And uh, or I'll while you're
1: carrying your cross.
2: <laughs> yeah, while I'm carrying the cross. So I just, it's just a, an interesting aspect that I'm still dealing with the flesh. And uh, I love that in those opportunities, we can use temptation to praise God because either, either we're gonna, well, what I've realized is that sin exchanges bad in place of something good because we can either be uh, glorifying God Or we can use it to glorify ourselves so in that moment man if i praise god and uh it's almost like a reminder because throughout our day we have uh different uh encounters with sin but if we can fight the temptation we use it for an opportunity to praise god so i just love that in those moments i can just lift my hands and sing a praise to the lord and it's it's just amazing how you can um you know basically change over the uh the bad for something good
1: you know thank you for sharing that to because i i love that fact that you're keeping it real with us and that's why i asked the man of questions because i want the men out there to realize that even people who have been called into ministry and we are seriously um passionate about serving the lord we're still men we're still having to walk around in this flesh while we're dying to it daily in order to serve to serve jesus christ so i'm glad you shared that with us and, man, we've come to the end of our show today, and um, I tell you, it's been such a blessing to me personally to to talk to Tobiah. And, Dubai, I just want to thank you, man, for not only um, agreeing to be on the show, but sharing your your faith walk. Because I believe, I tell you, it's blessed me, and I know it's going to bless a lot of men out there listening. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show today, man.
2: Thanks, Joe. It's, it's really been a, an awesome opportunity.
1: And to buy it quickly for our listeners, if they wanted to find out more about Crosswalk Ministry and what you're doing, because, hey, we, they may see you. They may see you on the road while you're out there with your cross. Um, what can they do to find out more about your ministry or, or how to get in contact with you? What would be the best way to do that?
2: Um, I started carrying the cross in 2010. So uh, the the handle for like Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff is Crosswalk2010. And, uh, and then we have a website. It's CrosswalkMinistry.org.
1: Gotcha. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well. Um, Because, man, I tell you, I am just so excited about the ministry that you're doing. So, again, thank you for being on the show. And to all of you guys out there listening, um, please do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. You definitely want to share this episode because I know if anyone is out there struggling in their faith walk, and they need a little bit of a fire to be set under them, I'm telling you, I don't see how you can listen to this episode and not be excited about the God that we serve. And so until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with realmenconnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man that God called and created us to be, because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in God's
0: grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out RealMenConnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man, God's way. Again, that's RealMenConnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.
1: Real Men Connect is a listener-supported podcast, and we're now the number one radio podcast on iTunes for Christian men. If this podcast has blessed you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to bless and transform the lives of even more husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders, please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. Just go to realmanconnect.com and click on the donate button. And may God bless your faithful giving.